0: Full of some sunshiny days for a change, I told (laughs) Terry and Jan, I'm going to ask the Lord if it would be okay with him when I get to heaven if he would make me a weather reporter. (laughs) I love all things to do with the weather, and it's so fascinating to me, and the Lord created it all anyway. I think he'd be okay with that, don't you? Can't you just see me up there? pointing to a big map on the wall. Anyway, praise the Lord. I'm so thankful for him. I'm so thankful for his Holy Spirit. How, how can people not believe and not want the preciousness of the Holy Spirit? You've heard me say many times that when I step up here, how inadequate I feel. And today is no exception to that. There are many questions that I have about scripture that, even if there are people who answer them, they're very divergent opinions. Some are, you know, polar opposite of each other. You can find almost every uh, explanation of scripture that you could possibly imagine if you just look for it. For instance, I can't fully understand the totality of the curse of the law and the balance between keeping the principles of the law. We know it's wrong to murder. We don't do those things. Yet the Bible tells us there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus in other words we cannot abolish the principles of the law that would not be possible for us to do that yet we know that the practice of the law was fulfilled when Jesus came and paid the price for sin upon the cross Or how do we explain keeping the Sabbath day, which is Saturday, the last day of the week that God implemented as the day of rest, versus keeping the Lord's day, the first day of the week, when Christians mostly worldwide celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's supposedly why we celebrate Our Sabbath on Sunday, if you will. It's a crystal clear picture in scripture that the Jews without question were to keep all of the law. The moral, the legal, and even the sacrificial systems that were built within the law. And in order to do this, they had to worship on the Sabbath day which, as you know, was sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Leviticus 20 and 8 says, You shall keep my statutes and practice them, because I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And in verse 22, he said, You are therefore to keep all of my statutes and all of my ordinances and do them so that the land to which I am bringing you to live will not spew you out. And in that same chapter, God enumerates gross, immoral sins that will cause blood guiltiness or death, including the sacrifice of one's children to Molech. God established that these sins were to be punished by death because the pagans do them. And they worshiped their gods on Sunday, even so so far as to create a god for the day, the sun god. And God said these abominations were done by the pagans to defile the very sanctuary of God. It was Constantine, the Roman emperor, who in A.D. 325, when he converted to Catholicism, officially changed the day of worship to Sunday. And in A.D. 365, it was officially decreed by the Catholic Church that they would break the ties of association to the Saturday Sabbath, which was practiced by the Jews, whom they openly despised, so that they would have a completely separate day of worship on Sunday. Then we move into the New Testament, and the Sabbath worship day was still observed by many, including Jesus. In Matthew 12 9 and John 18 20, Jesus went to the Sabbath day, went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day to teach. In Acts 17:2 and 18-4, Paul the Apostle went to the synagogue with the Jews on the Sabbath. The scripture says for three Sabbaths in a row, and then many more on top of that, preaching Christ to them to convert them to Christianity. So it wasn't an Old Testament, New Testament thing, and God did not at any point in time rescind the command to observe the Sabbath day. So you see what I mean, that it can get confusing, to say the least. What is the right thing to do? Who's right and who's wrong today? But I think if we keep looking into the scripture and see what the word says, we might realize that we might be asking the wrong question In the gospels of Mark chapter 2, Luke chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 12, these two similar accounts are recorded, and Jesus gave the same response in each of these accounts. Jesus and his disciples were walking through a cornfield on the Sabbath day, and they were hungry, so they pulled some ears of corn. and they ate them. The all-vigilant Pharisees caught them in the act of reaping or doing work on the Sabbath day. And they accused Jesus and the disciples of breaking the laws of the Sabbath, which is kind of odd because if you read Deuteronomy 23, 25, it very clearly says When you enter your neighbor's standing grain or cornfield or wheat field, whatever the case, then you may pluck the heads with your hands, but you shall not wield a sickle in your neighbor's standing grain. So if you're walking through your neighbor's cornfield and you're hungry, you can grab an ear and eat it, but don't try to reap his harvest. Makes perfect sense. And Jesus reaped responded to these accusations. Haven't you even read the story of David and his hungry soldiers? I'm paraphrasing this a bit. When they'd returned from battle and they were faint with hunger and they entered into the house of God and ate the consecrated showbread, which was set aside only for the priests who served in the temple. And then Jesus said these words in all three of those accounts. The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. In the second story in these accounts, Jesus entered into the temple on the Sabbath day, and there was the man with the withered hand. And again, the watchful Pharisees were there to see just what Jesus would do about it, trying to set a trap for him yet again, breaking the law and jesus called this man to come forward front and center right in front of everybody and i am convinced that jesus would not have done that had he not been the lord of the harvest with whom rested the power to heal and make him whole he wouldn't have called him out and embarrassed him or Made a, made a show of him had he not intended to heal him, which, of course, he did. And what's more, he could have healed him on any day of the week, but he chose to do it on the Sabbath. And he asked them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or only evil on the Sabbath? Does it make sense to save a life or destroy it? Think about it in a logical frame of mind. But it filled them with rage, the Pharisees, and they went out and they sought how they could kill him. So Jesus proved it's not the day that matters. It's not the practice of the systems of the law, but it's the power within the Lord of the Sabbath that matters. The scripture says that God created the Sabbath for the man, not the man for the Sabbath. God did not need a day of rest in his creation, but he knew that man and the animals and the servants and even the strangers who might come into town needed a day of rest and communion with him. So what about the day of worship? Would you turn, please, to Romans 14, and let's read. We're going to read two passages of Scripture, and then we'll be done. Romans 14:1. This is an incredible passage of Scripture. <clears throat> now accept the one who is weak in faith but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible, in case you're wondering. Verse 2, One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weaker in faith eats vegetables only. The one who eats meat is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat meat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who does eat the meat. For, what does your Bible say? God has accepted him. Amen? Verse 4. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced, or the King James says persuaded, in his own mind regarding the day to worship. Verse 6, "'He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, "'and he who eats does so for the Lord.'" And he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not, talking about the meat again, for the Lord he does not eat it, and he gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives to ourselves, and not one of us dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to the end that Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Wow, what a message! Jesus. Became our Sabbath when he came. It is not the day, it is in him that we find our atonement, that we find our rest, and that we have all that we have need of in him alone this passage said pick your day pick your food be convinced of it in your own mind know and understand why you believe what you believe stand upon it give thanks to the lord the lord of the sabbath amen and i'm closing with one more passage of scripture if you'll turn to colossians chapter 2 Paul wrote only four short chapters to the book, or to the Colossians, but man, are they powerful! So applicable then, but oh, so applicable today. Chapter two, verse eight. See to it that no man takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the traditions of men according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority, even over the day of the Sabbath. Verse 11, and in him you were circumcised, marked and set aside for him with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Through circumcision in Christ, we are made spiritual and we are made eternal just like him, and he didn't need to use a scalpel to do it, instead he used his own blood. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised up with him through faith in working in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh He made you alive together with him, having forgiven all your transgressions, all our transgressions. Verse 14, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross And when he had disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. And lastly, verse 16 and 17. Therefore, here's the crux of the whole matter. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink, or in respect to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath day, because these are things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. It doesn't matter about the law versus grace. It's not the day of the week that we worship and it's not the food we eat or drink. It's not what festival we keep or don't keep. It's that the substance belongs to Christ. Because of the power on the cross on which Jesus nailed these things that didn't matter, that were transgressions against us, <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> because it's him, the Lord of the Sabbath, who has the power to save. It seems so easy. And 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 rather what's the big deal about when we read it this way? Romans said we have to be persuaded in our minds. We have to know for a fact what it is we believe. Then live according to faith. Give thanks to God for what he's given us. And put our trust in his grace that's taken away all these decrees of the broken laws which condemned us already because we are circumcised by his grace And marked as his own. I want to show you right here. It says, just as I am without one plea. I have nothing that I can say on my own defense. For my own, uh, you know, stand on my own two legs, no. No but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, as he told us this morning, O Lamb of God, O the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who has all power over the day, over the circumstance, and even over the evil in men's hearts. It's to him that I come. I asked Doug to look up for me, I, I printed out the words in a, in a source, a brand new hymnal that I just bought. And it has two verses in here that is not in our normal um, hymnal. That says, Just as I am poor, wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind, yea, all I need In thee I find, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Will you stand with me this morning? Father, I thank you for helping us through the power of the Holy Spirit to understand what the matter really is, Lord, what the important part really is and for what we must dwell on and know in our hearts that whatever we choose, Lord, which day we want to worship or what food we want to eat is not what you judge us on, but it's do we know your son? Have we accepted him? Have we come and bowed our heart and bowed our knee to him, and confessed him as Savior and Lord of our heart and life. Oh, thank you for inviting us to come, Lord. A free invitation, it doesn't cost us a thing, except belief and faith in you and your Son, O oh God. Lord, I ask you one thing today. Make our loved ones willing to come, Make those, Lord, who haven't committed their heart to you, who haven't figured out that it's not all these things that matter. Oh, but it's having our faith secured in the Lord of the Sabbath, who has the power to erase sin and heal the dregs that were left over. The transgressions that spoke against us, God caused them to come to. We want them in your fold, oh God, and our hearts cry is that they come to you. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for being with us today. And I pray, Lord, that you go forth from this place with each one. Oh, I thank you, Father, for your love and your grace that met every need that we have through the Lord of the Sabbath and the price that he paid on Calvary's cross. And we do ask all these things in his matchless name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.